0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. <laughs> it all depends from where people are uh, going to be watching. Uh, if you're watching us uh, in the morning, good morning, afternoon, and good evening. Uh, it depends on time of which. Um, today we are blessed and it's a very special day. Winter, Almost winter time in Colorado. Uh, we have been dealing with the time saving as well. And today we have a special guest that uh, we are going to talk about. A very important topic and yeah that has been part of our life uh, for so long and I'm going to allow him to introduce himself and you guys are going to find out who he is.
1: Hello uh, my name is Christo Luna and I'm one of the um, care coordinators in the emergency department and then I just most recently um, took on another role as a, a health guy doing something similar in, a, in an outpatient setting so mm-hmm. You know, I'm here to talk about, uh, you know, insurance, answer any questions, and try to be of service.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, we are so happy, and thank you for being here and taking the time out of your day and busy day. I know you just come straight from work to here, so we really appreciate it, and I think our viewers, we also appreciate that. So, um, how long you have been, um, well, before I jump into that, uh, this is your first time been uh on our podcast on this what, what what's your impression let's let's get down to the basic uh, you know so that we don't we get the foundation laying and uh, get this podcast going
1: yeah um no, and of course, thank you for having me. I'm always here to help out and answer questions. But yeah, this is my first time on a podcast. Um, uh-huh. It's kind of crazy hearing myself talk and having uh, this professional setup. And I'm I'm liking. It. I like the the good vibes. So <laughs> all about the vibes here. Yeah, that's
0: that's really good. So uh, what is your background? Let's go to your background. So you uh is that you went to school for. Health care, or was this something you end up trying, like? I did. I did. It all happen?
1: Um. So I was born and raised in uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico. So okay. I come from a uh, traditionally uh, Mexican Latino family. And um, in high school, I was blessed to get a really nice scholarship to come up here to Colorado. So nice. I uh, studied biology and Spanish. I also speak Spanish um, right. in my undergrad. And then currently, I'm a grad student at. Uh, the University of Denver as well. D-U. Yes, sir. Um, getting my master's of science in um, healthcare administration leadership and then healthcare public policy. Oh so wow. I could also write policy. Um, okay. But I started uh, my care coordinator job uh, maybe two years ago and I have maybe three or so years of experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, I just, I like uh, helping out people in a different form of healthcare. Maybe uh, focusing more on the, Social uh, determinants of health mm-hmm. rather than like medical treatment. So I think it's really cool to help people with the, f- the other 50% yeah. of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: No, oh, wow. What you mentioned uh, is really impressive, um, especially uh, the policy part that you mentioned. Uh, I think policy is something that has been and we always be affecting our everyday life, uh, what we tend to do, how things are. And i think those are very important aspects that you mentioned especially uh, from us being considered as minority i think we need more policy maker in those big places to make decisions that will benefit us and thank you for that so how long you have um you have remaining to finally complete your master program
1: um, and I was just going to say, too, I think it's really important to have policymakers that are people of color or mm-hmm. that represent the people that they're writing policy for. Yes. Because there's a lot of uh, disconnect yes. with um, people writing policy for other communities other that they're not involved but, in. Yet. Um, but anyway, uh, I'll finish my master's program in June. Um, so almost I'm there. almost done. Oh, wow. Yes, almost.
0: That's really, that's really nice. So you plan to stay in Colorado or what's your plan?
1: Um, I kind of want to stay in Colorado, but the thing that's next is uh, I'm hoping to do a professional, um, uh, it's called a fellowship. <laughs> um, so a government fellowship in Washington, D.C. Okay. So I'll be on Capitol Hill with a, um, a Latino or Latina legislator and <laughs> I'll be able to write policy. Oh, wow. And then after that, law school.
0: Oh, there you <laughs> go yeah. you have a long time to go oh man, oh, man. professional student yeah. professional <laughs> student hey, yes. but that's that's good that you have all those plans layout. out especially mentioned Capitol Hills DC that's where all the big decision is being made the people that can pull all the strings they are there and we, I think it's just all we have to do is pray for you to make it and be there make that changes and write those policies that reflect you know the, the minority voice because for so long we don't have people standing up for us. I think now in this generation, we start seeing more of that changing, that shift, and we are really uh, happy about that. And um, so, with your current role, how did you? Uh, how are you enjoying that current role?
1: Um, I, I mean, I have really enjoyed it because um, it's a lot of direct one-on-one patient care, which mm-hmm. I like. Um, so. Whenever I go see a patient or talk to somebody, it's really not talking about, like, what's wrong with them medically. It's kind of looking at the bigger picture. Like, okay. why why are you here? And so that's why we talk about those other social determinants of health. So maybe people are in the hospital because of domestic violence. Or maybe they've been abused. Or, you know, maybe they haven't been to the doctor in mm-hmm. six years. Or maybe they have so much medical debt that... their last resort is coming to the emergency department. They don't Mm -hmm. have enough um, information to make any other decision. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of cool to kind of help them like navigate why they're there and kind of map out like a future plan. Mm -hmm. Like where do we go from here and how can we prevent you from coming back to the emergency department? Okay, so Mm -hmm.
0: your job is because emergency room visit is not cheap. Not cheap. It's not cheap. They are always expensive. So you are trying to get people to use it and to be more mindful when they come into the emergency room. Uh, emergency room. That means you don't have to go there every day. So, uh, is there a type of um, a step or some guidance that you offer them to say? Because for some people or some a lot of minority, if they have a headache or the kids. F- have a fever the first thing then is let's go to the emergency room so what step do you have uh, to kind of guide those people to to follow if they come in without knowing that this you could have maybe get an ibuprofen from a pharmacy off-counter or you could have go to the uh, urgent care instead of coming here what step do you have um well the
1: biggest thing is that there overall just lacks a lot of health literacy Mm. um And the thing that's most important is that a lot of people don't think about, like, a primary care doctor first or going to, like, an urgent care. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like you stated, emergency department visits are very expensive if you have insurance or not. You know, even if you have private insurance, your copay could be $500 still. And that's a lot of money for people. Yeah. So if you have the emergency department implies emergency. Mm-hmm. so you know if you're in a life or death situation if you don't have any other place to go you know if you're not breathing um it's just it's really hard to navigate because i think emergency means something different to everybody yeah um so if it's more of a a minor you know medical condition then you know you have to go to maybe an urgent care because even if you don't have insurance urgent cares ranges like from a hundred to maybe 150 dollars okay you know per visit and they could prescribe medicine and give you quick medical treatment yeah. as an emergency department if you go you know that bill can range from a thousand to ten thousand even, oh, even more dollars yeah so it's important to kind of like weigh out kind of what you're experiencing and uh, deem whether it's a actual emergency or not if you're about to die then yes of course go
0: okay but, so yeah. the message is that to our view our people, emergency room mean emergency. Like you said, it doesn't mean if you have a fever or you are feeling some type of way to go to emergency room. Emergency is in the worst situation that you feel like you don't have control, you don't know how to handle. Those are the situations you something have to... Something major. Something major. Big, big, big,
1: big, big. yes. Yeah,
0: No, like just normal stuff. And I think because... Um, this is something that we tend to see a lot, especially within our African community and some of our African parents, um, they don't know the difference between emergency room and urgent care. You see for just a fever or a coughing, or f- for a child, they will take a child straight to emergency room. And that to me is just, I know that there's lack of education and on that, like to educate people about it, And that's why we are glad you are here. When the people going to watch, they're going to know that emergency room, it Im- means major situation that you should go. So with that being said, how can we discourage people to attend, uh, to go to emergency room instead of seeking all the optional urgent care?
1: Um, how to defer from going to the yeah. emergency room? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I always tell my patients is, and the big uh, problem is, is that we have a lot of uh, frequent flyer patients that mm. keep coming back and back and back, they, they just don't learn. So it's really important to um, uh, be able to locate maybe your urgent, your, uh, your closest urgent care mm-hmm. or primary care doctor to you. Um, because I always tell people you're, you're getting charged for everything that even looking at you in the emergency department. Oh, wow. you know, and a lot of people treat the emergency department like an urgent care, but that's not the case. You have to go to um, possibly like a um, freestanding urgent care or emergency department that is not connected to a hospital. Okay. See, that's where that big disconnect is because if you go straight to the hospital, you're Mm going to get treated like you're dying.
0: Okay. Uh So I think the thing is the thought is if I go to hospital, then... There, I'm going to find the help I need, but people don't know. Yes, hospital, there's a lot going on, but the first, when you go to hospital, they will have to admit you first, check you in, into the emergency room. Yeah. And that's where I think people can to uh, get lost with that, without knowing that. Yes, oh, hospital, it's an umbrella, and you can't go straight to the hospital without. Entering the emergency room, and I think people need to pay attention to that. So, do you have knowledge on how the Medicaid and the insurance system works?
1: Yeah, um how uh-huh. we deal with uh, Medicaid and Medicare and all Medicare. the time. It's so very confusing. Yeah, <laughs> will you said
0: that people? The reason why people are going because the things that since I have Medicaid, I have Medicaid, I'm not getting charged. Everything is going to you know uh everything is going to the um the government is paying for it so that means i can i don't have to seek urgent care uh i think that's something that you guys tend to see a lot so how can we educate the people that have the medicaid the medicare like this like even though you have that even though the government is covering 100 percent of your visit but there's still a better alternative to kind of uh utilize that
1: well i guess the thing i would start off by saying is that most importantly you you can't just go to the hospital as many times as you want (laughs) you know every when people have insurance whether it's private or government you're you only have so much money before your benefits run out for the year because the cycle switches every year um, so it's really important to be able to understand. It's called a statement of benefits or <laughs> summary of benefits because it tells you um, how much services are. It tells you how um, many times you can go to the hospital and when kind of the money runs out for the year. Mm. So, you know, most importantly, you have to keep in mind the, the dollar amount that you want to spend on your, uh, you know, your medical conditions because, uh, yeah, Medicaid and Medicare, it kind of stops hmm. after a while.
0: I didn't know that. Well, <laughs> yeah,
1: well, and most importantly, um, we find in the hospital that there's a lot of language barriers. Yes. Which is another big thing is a lot of the hospital information. And even when we discharge patient uh, patients, um, their packet or their uh, discharge papers, it's in English. Mm. So even when people get discharged from the hospital that don't speak English, have a hard time even understanding the instructions of what to do post-hospital mm-hmm. visit so a big thing we recommend for people that are on government insurance is to go to it's called the center of medicaid services okay and they also have um translation services okay. which is really important for people that you know don't speak, don't speak english, english. Uh-huh.
0: okay that, that that really makes sense since uh you mentioned that medicaid who runs out because i never heard that party runs out and i think people already think even though the government is paying for it i mean you already have uh the money there uh, to cover for the medical um situation that you went there for the visit so how how can people know or is there a, a process a step or an account that they have to create to log in to know okay for well, this year fiscal year maybe this is X amount I have and how I many hospital visits I end up going to and this is like is the way that people can know to know that okay for well, this year twenty twenty two is coming up. I have let's say hundred thousand dollars and hospital visit is not cheap, it's expensive. I can that so that they can better um plan but we we are not wishing that anything anything can happen but to better have an idea like if i have to go for something minor i have to think twice because it can that money can run out of, because
1: well most important i think it's um important to note that every state runs medicaid and medicare differently also yeah. which is hard so i think um the biggest advice we try to give people is to check with um, the Center of Medicaid Services because per state, they'll be able to tell you kind of what your benefits are. And it's important to note that a lot of places um, don't accept Mm -hmm. government insurance. So there's Mm -hmm. a big difference between a um, for-profit hospital and a non-for-profit hospital. Okay. You know, so for example, like UC Health, Mm -hmm. um, they accept a wide variety of insurances, but they don't accept Denver Health a lot of people in colorado right. have denver health medicaid and you need to go to denver, denver health. health only but only but a lot of people go to uc health or swedish and like swedish that's a for profit hospital okay. so patients get like end up having to pay a bigger bill at the end and they're like what what happened mm. you yeah, know i thought i had insurance you went to the wrong
0: hospital, hospital. Yeah. oh wow that is a very important because people, <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. You know, those information are important because people, many people don't know and they just think about hospital. Like, yeah, it's the same system. They will figure uh, everything there. And, but like you said, f- so for profit, how, how can someone do a research to find out, okay, this is for profit hospital and this is not for profit hospital. Uh, is there a list or a website that publishes? To say okay if you have a government medicaid or you have a private one or like i know kaiser you have to deal with kaiser you can't go anywhere you can't go anywhere anywhere so where can they find this information to say okay here are the list of the hospital that i can only attend and this one if i go i will handle pain out of the pocket
1: well i most importantly it's like it's just really hard um, to navigate that if you're in a really sticky situation. situation. So if you do have access to the internet in any form or fashion, most hospitals and medical facilities will list what insurances they accept on their website. Okay. Um, it's it's pretty clear. But again, it's hard if you don't speak English or um, you just don't have access to the internet in general. So I think the best way is to call because uh, they have different options for Um, selecting like a language if you're on the phone. And then sometimes they even have translators where you Mm -hmm. they could uh, get that information and translate for you. Um, But I think the the rule of thumb is to probably just call. Call Call the hospital and be like, hey, do you accept this sort of insurance? And if so, like, can I come to the emergency department? Or like, what does it cover? And generally, most hospitals and clinics can give you a very general overview because mm-hmm. it's really hard about you know if you need something very specific done if it's minor major you know if you're getting admitted yeah insurance is very complicated very complicated it is yeah. it's
0: not fun dealing with insurance no. company and, <laughs> <Not> it's, <fun. laughs> and it's never easy to get them on the phone either exactly. so you don't want to put yourself into that situation so exactly i think most people they need to call and uh, call ahead figure out what you need or whether um Ask translation because I believe there are a lot of option out there that they can connect you with someone that speak and the language of your preference so to make that transition uh, very easy yeah. and 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 that's why also we need you policy maker to come into those situations to make hospital transition or navigation very easy because I think everything that it's around, hospital there's a lot of policy that are in place um, and we appreciate you to uh, take on that step and especially um, from on the minority perspective and you mentioned the hospital to call to check to make sure that this hospital is not uh, is what is for profit or for or what is not uh, for profit and what happened when someone just walked in okay someone walked in and they have that and they have the let's say medicaid and they work into a for-profit hospital
1: well it's just it's just so well it's it's very complicated because uh you know hospitals are kind of um sneaky because okay. hospitals don't turn away anybody you know yeah. that's the point of healthcare. you know we are there to help you in whatever yeah. form or fashion but you know it, it comes at a cost and it's hard too because hospital bills don't just get sent to you right away oh, yeah. it could take two three six months and then mm-hmm. you're stuck with a twenty thousand dollar bill that you just went in for the flu or yeah. an earache or something so it's really important to call ahead and even call the um, I think it's the billing department just to be like hey do you accept this sort of insurance Um, and in terms of uh, Medicaid Medicare it only covers so much much. and it really depends what you're in the hospital for Mm. as well so if you go um, to the hospital to the emergency department and you're the in the intake and they send you away you know that's a specific amount but if you get um, transferred to the main part of the hospital where you're seen by the entire medical team that's that's a different mm-hmm. amount and it's your bill just keeps increasing increasing increasing, increasing. yeah <laughs> which is it's scary yeah it's really scary
0: oh wow so ev- yeah Ooh. so it sucks for those who don't have health insurance exactly. <laughs> uh, try to get a health insurance if you don't have it uh, for those of you that uh, who will be watching this uh, segment um because health insurance But it's not also cheap. Some people will say, it's not cheap. I don't get sick easily. What do I need uh, health insurance for? What's your advice to that?
1: Well, I think the biggest advice I can offer is that one thing uh, for Coloradans specifically is like um, an example is, is that we have a lot of clinics here that offer a sliding discount program. So there's clinics in Aurora called uh, Stride. Mm -hmm. Um, There's other clinics called Salud and even Denver Health. So they offer like a discount program where people can pay a little every month um, for their medical services or those clinics even offer a insurance program within the clinic. Mm -hmm. Um, And for example, a lot of uh, patients we see in the hospital, they're undocumented immigrants. Um, from any country and the biggest thing about insurance here in the US especially for government insurance is that you have to be a US citizen you need a social security card or to be a um, I believe that's called a permanent residence in order to qualify for government insurance and a lot of undocumented people they they don't have that even though they pay taxes even though they have kids here they're still not citizens so what we recommend is going to a primary care clinic or a clinic that offers a sliding discount program. Okay. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's that's really um, really hard um, on the part that people have to get insurance and um, wow, I'm trying, I'm processing <laughs> this part. Uh, so my question is that okay yes I got my question now (laughs) so my question is medical bill is um, it's something why do we attach medical bill to people's um, I would say credit history or credit uh, what do we report your credit report yes your medical bill to the credit bureau uh, or your credit bureau that's what I believe they're called why why is that well, because sense is health why can that be something separate separate
1: yeah well i think it all just has to do with um debt right because yes. everybody wants everybody wants their money yeah so if you have a hundred thousand dollars in medical debt essentially what people are saying is that you shouldn't be buying a car yeah if you haven't paid your your medical debt, which is tough because people with socials, that bill gets attached, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. To their credit report. And you have to pay that off. And the thing that a lot of people don't know is that hospitals do, a lot of hospitals offer um, like payment plans. They they could kind of help you out. Um, a lot of hospitals offer um, emergency Medicaid, mm-hmm. which is cool. So um, many times we've seen uh, a lot of undocumented patients in the hospital come in. It's a life-threatening Something, condition, broken bone, and they automatically qualify for emergency Medicaid. Then it's taken care of. But again, that's coming back to the point of you have to use the emergency department and the hospital for an emergency. Yeah. Something big. Big. Yeah. Because then if you don't, you're going to get stuck with a large bill two or three months later (sighs) that you'll have to pay somehow. You
0: have to pay someone.
1: Well, The thing that sucks is that if you have medical debt prior of a visit or something they will always see you but you keep racking up racking medical up. debt so if you have a lot of medical debt say you need a car or something important they won't let you get that
0: because of the medical because of your
1: medical debt
0: wow, <sighs> wow. <laughs> this is really um uh, very important because nothing like the system that we are living in everything is is Get a report to the credit, uh, credit bureau, and people that don't know that hospital also report those because they need the money. They got paid their staff, building maintenance. There's a lot that uh, goes into that, and you know, for so long, and I still think, and that's why policy maker like you coming to kind of create a lot that can kind of separate those to aside and. Maybe it can give people some freedom not to have a medical bill attached to the record that would prevent them to get something in the future, something important to them. Uh, I think that's something that maybe, who knows? Ideally, we we know the society we're living in. That's going to be a major uh, topic to debate about it, but never say never you agree with me on that
1: yeah and i mean healthcare in the u.s is very expensive all right. in all and it's not going to change for a really long time mm-hmm. um that's why we try to help uh you know our undocumented folks and people of color to really try to seek care other than the hospital because mm-hmm. people of color and undocumented people are already put at such a disadvantage yeah. when here in the u.s so try not to go to hospitals try to go to you know freestanding clinics urgent cares primary mm-hmm. cares or um, and it's not in every state of course but like in Colorado the clinics that offer the sliding discount program because they really do work yeah. with people I mean paying $200 sounds expensive but it's a lot cheaper than paying $20,000 20 over the span of your life you yeah. know so try to go to the smaller clinics and they could help you just as much as the hospital can
0: and also Arguably. those yeah and those bill why let's say if you miss a medical bill payment what does it have to affect Or uh, you get that report okay. like your credit score change or it decreases it drops like yeah. why why is that why is that important to attach that to, uh, to somebody's uh record or someone's social security or credit score
1: Right. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know, it's just the the debt collectors, right? They're, they're, uh, they're stingy, you know, um, (laughs) you know, and that's the hard part too, because, uh, you know, it's okay if you have to, you know, miss a payment or, uh, but a lot of people don't, um, like notify or give any notice um, prior because a lot of companies i've found in my opinion they tend to work with you you know because they want their money yeah so they if you can't make a payment you know at least give them the courtesy to be like hey you know i'm gonna be a little late or i can't make it this month you know giving prior notice because if you just don't pay it or you miss it they're gonna charge you more yeah double
0: late fees and all this things and then you're even more behind
1: yeah Jesus
0: <laughs> this is the part of living in a capitalist society guys nothing it's is, terrible it's, yeah. it's, it's terrible but people got you know live and people gotta make their money uh, this is really very uh, interesting and important things because for so long I think we have never got this information as opposed to us and people just use whatever they have like oh, I have Medicaid I have this I can go to whatever places I want, and I get the best care as much as I need that. But this, to me, it's very helpful information because yes, even helped me myself because I'm I, I'm my husband and and a father. I think this information will help me because I try to not visit emergency room uh, anytime there is uh, a situation. I try to use the urgent care one because I find that it's faster and quicker and um, in and out, I don't have to compare to a normal hospital. And if people are thinking about that, I would say look, think about the time and because emergency room, it's long process. And yeah. I, well, and yeah, a lot of people
1: ahead. think that just, uh, you know, urgent cares can't do the same thing. And they, I mean, they do the exact same thing. There's, you know, um, an actual doctor in the clinic. They pre, um, can prescribe medication they can give you shots you know um, they could give you ointments treatments in the urgent care which is a lot cheaper than the emergency department um, and the biggest thing I was going to say too is sometimes it's not people's fault because they don't have anything that's closer to them um, so that's another part of a lot of the uh, it's called social determinants of health is the The distance that somebody lives to the nearest uh, clinic or urgent care. Mm. So most times we see that clinic and urgent cares are farther away than an emergency department. So that's why people go to the emergency department as their first choice because they don't have anything else closer. Mm. And that's another big problem. Yeah. Yeah
0: that's really important and i think to add to that if anyone is planning to buy a house think about or you are looking for a place to move into a, a new neighborhood a new community think about the fact of what's closer to you the demographic urgent care or emergency room and those things will determine like how you can better use it for the service or the situation and that you are going to be in and
2: uh, the intro was that you, you know, all the steps you're taking as a student, working, and um, um, and what are you planning to do in DC, um, Capitol Hill? And um, you know, since you're going to focus on writing laws, um, like, what is your focus going to be? Is it going to um make it easier? To uh, a certain community, or to dismantle the, the whole system of Medicare, because a guy, in, you know, now is 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 business now, you know. Um, of course, you get sick, and you know they take care of you, but at the end of the day, they're there to make money. Um, what do you? Th- um, sorry, I'm all over the place. So my question <laughs> is: all good. <laughs> my question is, do you believe? that health care should be universal.
1: Oh yeah, uh huh. Well, I've been learning about that a lot in my grad school program, mm-hmm. um, and essentially, um, like we were talking before, you know, living in a capitalistic society is really um, hard for <laughs> yes. universal health care um, because everything is kind of intertwined. So, if we wanted to have universal health care in the United States, we would have to you know kind of change our whole infrastructure and how we live you know we'd have to add more public transportation you know and have access to this universal health care you know we would have to essentially get rid of um, not entirely but kind of get rid of private insurance right. which a lot of people don't want to do because private insurance makes a lot of money
2: um, so do you think is is possible
1: I mean, I, I would hope so. Yes, I do think it's possible. And that's why I think uh, Medicare and Medicaid is great because it gives an opportunity to those people that would never have the opportunity to get private insurance. Right. So it is great. And I do think universal health care is possible if we wanted to change it. But yeah. there's, in my opinion, I think there's too much money involved. And Invested. in the U.S., we choose not so, to do that.
2: Okay. I I like that the last part, like, we choose not to do it. We have the ability
1: to change, but we won't.
2: Like, how can we convince those people? uh, Because, you know, like, let's say you're trying to write a law. uh, Like, hey, like, actually, this can also benefit you. Those that were claiming that they won't let go because they will lose a lot of money. How can we convince them, like, hey, actually, there's a way for this to work for both of us?
1: Um. Well, I think uh, it all has to start with, uh, you know, the people that are making mm-hmm. the laws. I think just in general, it has to be more diverse. There needs to be more people of color, more women, um, more people of different like sexualities, backgrounds, because we've seen and historically it's a lot of white people making this yes. like policy decisions and laws for people, people too. of color older people and honestly it's in my again in my opinion i think it's the generation the the baby boomer generation that you know they're kind of controlling Mm -hmm. everything right now and not a lot of change will happen until a lot of those people get out of these major roles but they control all the money which is hard. So it's yeah. hard for people like us, people of color, to get into those spaces when they've been occupying them
2: right. for so long. So it would take a little bit. It would take a little bit of time if we want to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And I think our communities need to, um, you know, em- empower each other. It's not like we were saying white people are bad or they make poor decisions, but we need to be included yes. at the table.
2: Yes. Yes, because. Um, Somebody or at least asked, right? <laughs> Ask us, yeah. We voted for them, yeah. so you know, that's it. We put them in the in DC, so that that I guess that's what counts. Like, oh, you guys voted for me, but um, because it, it does not make sense for somebody that's you know, 80, 70, 60, they're not going to make a decision about me. I mean, my you know, late 20s, they like we are two different people, you know. Uh, Not just the age, also um, we different background, you know, all those things, and I do agree that we need to be involved. But how can we be involved when it's money talks kind of game?
1: Um, that's what I was saying. I think uh, most importantly, we have to you know pull together and work together, and you know it's about reaching across the aisle with those who do have all the money. I think it's important to express. To others that, you know, taking care of your fellow Mm -hmm. man, your fellow neighbor, your fellow woman is more important than making money. Yeah. Which is hard.
2: Okay. Uh, Because uh, another uh, reason why um, it's going to take more time is because, for instance, I will call myself low income, right? Um, And let's say I'm trying to fight for the better of the low income. But then I'll have within that low income some, you know, those that oppose me. Uh for instance, instead of saying like, you know, they would people have different priority in life. Uh instead of saying, hey, healthcare is more important, that they will say, you know what? Not really. Uh gay rights more important. Or like, no, uh bending gays or homosexual is more important so like how how can like as as uh, a future lawmaker like what how do you think we can like you know intertwine together like hey this is going to benefit all of us regardless of what decisions we make in life.
1: yeah and um the one of the things i've always uh disliked about the u.s is that we Um, always put people into categories, right? Like, oh, you're gay, I'm Latino, you're black, whatever. You know, and I think that's a terrible thing because we're all people at the end of the day. And I think that really diminishes the aspect of what, a human being is so we've been learning a lot in my class you know healthcare should be a human right it's not just for those who can afford it yeah and that should be the same too for people of the lgbtq community it's not that we're trying to make laws to go against you or to favor one group of people that's why I, hopefully in my future law career and policy making you know i want to uh, have a lot of uh opinions and a lot of backgrounds i need a lot of um, different input in order to make the best right. law for everyone. Um, and especially those of those communities that, you know, need more help. Right. right. Yeah. And I think it's important that we're all trying to, you know, live life. We're all yeah. trying, we should help each other. Yeah. Not, you know, <laughs> go against each other in a negative way. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and um, another thing also is um, when we look, when, when, candidates uh, regardless what um, area they're running uh, or their campaign uh, the campaigning is they will say everything we want to hear you know and but then when when we look at the overall system it's like i I don't think those that you claim to represent voted for that Uh, which took me to the you know like my beast you know we don't have money the only thing we have is votes but nowadays money is more powerful than votes like how do you like how do you think that like that will play in the future as a a future you know uh lawmaker
1: um in terms of like the money vote um disconnect um well i think it's important that here in the u.s we have the right Vote you know yeah. everybody should Vote mm-hmm. and it's just Hard because I think in my Opinion if more people would vote there Would be more change And every election we always see That some of the biggest groups That are lacking in the voting Are people of color
2: Yeah of course um, he, Like for me Personally I do also kind of understand um, Is is more like experience you know like okay like how, how can we trust you that you're not like the last one you know what i mean exactly. and we you know and so and that's why we need more even even though we can have more representative from our own community or whatever background we have uh we have in common we have also seen like you know as they get to dc they disappoint us so yeah. it's like w- what's the, the point yeah what was the point should i vote really because uh I, I don't know that's a that's a that's a really tricky one um i don't agree with it but i also understand yeah. <laughs> i understand why they don't they're not voting um i was um can you always say something about the vice president like you know she got majority of the black women especially vote but we haven't seen her since you know what I'm saying so it's like yeah, yeah. and you know and they pay, uh, they play a one of the biggest part in, uh, you know during the previous election so uh it's more it goes back to trust and the experience they have
1: Yeah, I would agree. And um, I also think it's important to empower those that um, don't come from a lot of money. You know, and I think Kamala Harris is a good example, but, you know, it's really hard to be thrown in to, I think, that position as the first ever to do it as well. That's why I think uh, our communities need to empower those who are normal citizens, you know, that come from lower middle class to run for office to, be a part of the table because we keep electing people that have had a lot of privilege throughout yes. their life so they don't yes. know what the the normal american goes through
2: yeah normal um, family and we we can say also so this is going to you know let, let's get to criticizing politicians we can say also is a lot of pressure for instance for our vice president the first black woman indian woman yes but then if we look her previous you know political experience and like she has an experience you know what i mean so um of course that's one of the biggest you know positions she has right now but then like hey you, you know what's going on you know like we expected something from you at least um according to experience
1: yeah yeah one well, the thing that's hard is that you know law is and make and change is slow yeah right Um, but it's really hard to, um, you know, keep your promises and, you know, make sure I think you need to surround yourself with, you know, people that are more knowledgeable maybe about something Mm -hmm. than you. And I hope to do that if I run for office someday too, is, you know, put people in places that have more knowledge and that could help those communities rather than the politician thinking they know it all, you know?
2: And, and, and that that brings me to the point. Um, also, like, do you they, like do you think that's where we should focus um, more? You know, politician as our savior kind of thing, or there there many other ways where we can improve ourselves.
1: Um, I think it's really important. What I've learned here in Colorado, and I used to work at the Capitol, too, is that it's really important to support your local, like uh, you know, grassroots and non for profit organizations um, mm-hmm. that help indigenous people help black people help yeah. latinos because those little groups have a lot of power with the lobbyists so you're talking about the money the whole disconnect these non-for-profits they don't have money either but yeah. it's their voice because they have the people yeah. behind them and lobbyists do need people because for change to happen you gotta have votes right so yeah. if lobbyists and people don't back that certain politician they won't get into office so I think we have to invest more into our people, and especially our local, yeah. our local leaders, our people that come from the same places we do.
2: Yeah. Um, no, that's uh, that. That is interesting, and I do agree. Um, at some point, um, and I know we, you, you know, you're more focused on the medical. But like one, one thing I wanted to mention is, like, uh, like I'll give a, an example of climate change, right? Um, we have, like, we are encouraged, you know, to recycle, to do this. But then, when you look at the bigger picture, we, like, literally, like us, you know, normal, daily, you know, working five to nine to five, we, like, we, making a little bit of damage and change. If you look at it, is these the biggest corporations? Like, how do we hold them accountable? And that applies to, you know, the medical billing and the whole health insurance.
1: Um, Well, I think we saw in the pandemic that... There was a huge um, shortage of workers. So I think that's one of the best ways to, you know, hold people accountable is that, you know, if they want us to work for them, they need to reflect our values. Right. As well. Or we won't work for them. You know, this is the first time we've seen like ever that working people have the upper hand on businesses. And yeah. You know, there's actually an increase in pay and all the things because they lack workers. All in all, and um, I think it's really important to hold the corporations we work for accountable as well, and you know, to reflect things like climate change. And I mean, look at Colorado—we haven't even had our first snow yet,
2: (laughs) right? Yeah, Um, and and some people still believe that it doesn't exist. Uh, Yeah, no, that that is interesting. I feel. I also feel like. Uh, prior to the pandemic we kind of forgot the kind of power we have as people you know uh it wasn't until the pandemic when you know businesses realized because a lot a lot of them too run out of business you know because even now it's it's still affecting us where um people are, are refusing to take the vaccine you know exactly. like i'm not gonna i'm not going to take it and um, the employer is like okay you're not going to work here but then they're not making they're losing a lot of money uh so exactly. um i mean yeah it's uh, it is crazy and um I, I hope i hope you know when you get to dc <laughs> you know you won't because you know as you get to the office it might it might be different to go back you know uh, the reason why you're in the office in the first place i hope it will be different and i know you're not running right now to tell us like no, oh yeah. i'll <laughs> I, I do this differently but if you don't mind you know you can you know like um you can kind of look at like your perspective and the, the current system like okay if i was able i would change this and that
1: well i uh, i think it's important to um Always keep your voice as well. I I think people forget how powerful their voices are. In, in the past year, we saw all the um, you know Black Lives Matter movement, and and I think that was a wonderful demonstration of people coming together, all people,
2: yeah, not
1: just for George Floyd or for you know Black Lives Matter, but the general purpose and the whole reason for democracy. Right. Like that is yeah. the point. Like we yeah. live in a country where we can do that. You know, if we lived in a different country, that'd be a completely different story. Yeah. But here in the U.S., our voice is powerful, and we do have the ability to make change if we want to. Yeah.
2: I keep saying that <laughs> we have
1: the ability. Yeah. But people sometimes don't don't want to change.
2: So, uh, other than voting, is there any other option to make the change? In terms of because America wasn't born in, through voting; it was born through a revolution you know like yeah. is there is there any other way because voting is kind of taking forever for some people Voting is does it, take forever it, it, is there like a quicker way to either dismantle or change the system
1: um well i mean every state is different and um like i was saying uh, earlier i just i think it's most important to invest in each other okay. whether that be on a smaller scale or bigger still scale, scale because if one state makes a positive change that could be reflective on the other states as I mean, well and colorado so if we has. can show that it works and colorado is a perfect example i mean the marijuana um uh, kindergarten all these changes that we've had here you know the sliding discount clinics and mm-hmm. people that are in colorado don't realize actually kind of how good of a state it is compared <laughs> to other states
2: uh, it is it, getting expensive which yeah. makes Besides sense. the <laughs> housing the but yeah other than yeah. that
1: yeah it's important to you know show that we belong and you know we we're people and i think uh, what i was saying earlier there has to be a standard of you know what makes us a human mm-hmm. what rights we have as a human because mm-hmm. um, i think a lot of people and policymakers forget about that
2: and um um, um I, I, like i want to ask your opinion uh do you think under the capitalist system universal health care is going to be possible I, I do think it's possible
1: but um, the biggest thing I've learned is that our healthcare system is just it's just kind of broken because the people that we expect to take care of us, um, doctors, well, more specifically, doctors, they incur so much debt from going to medical school right. that the government doesn't have um, any good incentive programs for doctors so that's why a lot of um, doctors fresh out of medical school they choose a specialty rather than becoming a primary care doctor right because primary care doctors help can help anyone but there's no money in primary care doctors and in doctors defenses doctors have to make money in order to pay back all that money they and there's a lot they wanted to be a doctor so we've been learning a lot about that in my grad school program as well like there has to be more incentives for doctors to choose primary care there has to be uh, more programs to give back money to the doctors because right now we're in a fee-for-service medical thing so if you go for a cough they'll give you like six tests that in yeah, most cases are unnecessary and yeah. they cost the patient a lot of money. A lot of blood But at too. the same time, doctors need to make that money too, right? Yes. So that's why our system is so broken. So <laughs> universal health care is possible, but we need to take care of the people that are take care, taking care of us. So I think we need to start with our doctors.
2: Yes. Uh, so and also school. Um mm-hmm. And and that's interesting because there's some that when 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 we're saying this, they're saying like, no, you guys, um, you guys are being communist. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you guys are being uh, what do you what do you guys call it? Uh, you you uh, conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys call it um, socialism. You know, oh, socialism. <laughs> so it's like, oh, um, no, you guys are trying to bring soci- uh, socialism in here. You know, saying like, oh, the government shouldn't be, you know, shouldn't be paying, you, shouldn't be putting more money into healthcare to, to make sure the doctors are okay. They shouldn't be putting more money in in education to make sure the teachers are okay. It's like you guys are being socialists. Like, what do y- what do you have to say about those? Conservatives, people.
1: <laughs> Those conservatives, oh
2: man. Um,
1: well, the biggest thing I've always expressed is that I think it's more important to take care of your fellow human rather than make money. Um, so, for example, you know, doctors that are in a uh, universal healthcare society, yes, uh, you know, they don't make two hundred thousand a year like a doctor would here, but at the same time, they don't they don't have medical. That, you know, they're in a um, facility that actually takes care of them. There's incentives. There's programs to actually help the doctor, you know, be a doctor to help others. Here, there's not really programs like that, you know? That
2: right there, you're being a socialist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's a socialist,
2: yeah. (laughs) So is is it a bad thing to be like, you know what? There's some area in our system where we have to have... Because... One thing, another, another thing I noticed during the pandemic and during the stimulus checks or the stimulus bills, rich people were being socialists among each other. You know what I mean? Like they made sure they got all the money and they took care of each other. Why is it wrong for them to take care of us when we're paying taxes? What is, why is it wrong to have a socialist or socialism in certain area in our system?
1: Well, I just I don't think socialism. I just I think that's a poor term because it's really
2: uh, that's what they call it. You know, if yeah. you if you suggest anything universal, you're socialist. You know oh, what God, I mean? God what forbid
1: if, you try to help everybody. That's yeah. socialism. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: what is wrong with socialism? Why is the socialism wrong?
1: I mean, I I don't think socialism is wrong. I think the people that think socialism is wrong are those that have all the money because they don't want to distribute the wealth amongst those that don't have as, <laughs> as much money as they do. You know, like the other day when they were talking about Elon Musk, right? Yeah. What 5% of his wealth could solve world hunger. And he released, he was like, yeah, okay. I'm willing to do that. Like, show me how it will be done. Is, I mean, is that socialism? I just, I that, don't that understand is socialism. why we call those things, those things when we try to help, our fellow man
2: you know and he just did another thing because you know they don't pay taxes you know he just did wow. another thing yeah. where he was like you know what i'm going to sell 10 percent of my tesla the stocks stock. but then where is the money gonna go exactly i mean because i can start a non right now and i won't i don't have to show where it goes i can just pay all the board members and we move on with life. you know but um I, no, I wanted to, you know, as a as a future policymaker, and uh, you know, like I wanted, I wanted you to kind of clarify, like, because you know, whenever somebody say socialism, if I if I mention Bernie Sanders, for example, it's like, oh, he's right. a socialist, you know, or because he, you know, he suggested he's not you know he suggests like hey healthcare is very important like it's going to be very important to our system and our future lives
1: yeah um well i just it's hard it's, it's, it's a hard concept because i think um you know people should want to help other people and i don't think it's it's a socialist thing to want <laughs> to help yeah. somebody else you know i think um, you have to ask yourself, you know, do you want to live in a country that cares about its citizens or do you not?
2: Well, they're saying you know? that I'm working harder than them. So why should I help?
1: And most people that are working hard are paying taxes, too. And a lot of wealthy people don't pay taxes. Yeah. So, right. We probably pay more taxes than some <laughs> of the richest people in the world.
2: Well, I mean, we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they do say they're providing jobs.
1: Yeah, well, and that's what I was saying about the, the standard of human rights. Like, what do we as Americans think we deserve as yeah. humans, right? Do we deserve health care? We obviously do not think that. No, I mean, if, if,
2: if, if let's say even if we get rid of the healthcare care system and say, you know what, we don't need it, but... We it's just you know, anytime you're feeling anything you can just walk to the hospital and they'll take care of you and after a few months no bills no bill will follow you whatsoever. That would be amazing. That's (laughs) socialism. Right. Yeah, because um another thing too, I don't know, um like one last question I'll have is because you know, like we um employees and employers, they provide health care, right? Um and you can see how these uh, healthcare have taken over employers. Like do you think that is right for employer to decide or to determine the the, the you know, the future of your the employees healthcare?
1: Of the healthcare, yeah, yeah. I mean I think it's um it's a terrible system we have because you know, the private insurance is that's how they make their money. You know, I, I wish more employers would um, if there would be a way to kind of determine what the needs of their employees right. are, you know, and try to cater more to those that need more or select um, certain insurance plans that have more coverage. But going back to the previous questions, it's really hard because a lot of people there's this. A big lack of health literacy mm-hmm. and people do not understand their own insurance coverage and everything so they don't even know what they have or what right. gets yeah. covered and what they're paying for and there's this big disconnect and the people that are making money are the insurances the hospitals because our because we don't know what we're doing
2: so do, do you think um also uh going back to like you know, just the public sector, healthcare, uh, education. Do you think there should be certain subject where people have to know, especially uh, politics? Um, how, like, do you think it should be mandatory to know about our politics and politicians?
1: I mean, I think there has to be better knowledge. In general, I mean, um, like, for example, when you vote here in Colorado, you know, sometimes they send you a little book or there's little websites that break down every law for you. So you're not just filling in the bubbles every time you yeah. vote. So, yeah, in my opinion, I wish that would be implemented in our education system, like health literacy, insurance um, and kind of uh, to figure out the best ways to get information. So you as a citizen can make an informed Decision before right. you vote, you
2: know. Yeah, we um, you have one upper hand because of, of your plan. So hopefully, Dow, you know, and um, we just we just wish for um a better system that will work for everyone, not just benefit fitting. Um, I don't even believe it's one percent. I think it's less than one percent. <laughs> but you know, hopefully, um. Hopefully, we'll get to that point. Um, I know it's going to take a long time, but hopefully, now also our generation, we realize, uh, instead of thinking of right now, we realize what we are going to face in a few years coming. Um, and, um, yeah, um, bef- also before we close, and, you know, I just wanted to ask if you have anything want to let our listener and viewers know about because i'm sure we didn't touch everything but like if you have something you want to say to the viewer before we, cl- we close um <laughs> uh, well i just uh, i really
1: appreciate the opportunity um to come and speak and um i think uh just in terms of healthcare, it's just important to um kind of know what you need mm-hmm. um to kind of know your medical conditions um, to go see that primary care doctor to go to an urgent care Um, because another thing we see in our communities is that a lot of people have um, chronic or underlying conditions Mm -hmm. and it's really hard because if you don't manage those over a period of time it could become very serious at a certain point in your age so um, I would just stress to you know, try to help out your your family, your friends, um, to try to offer advice. And most importantly, you know, do research. Like don't be afraid to call, call people, call the center of Medicaid services and to ask for help because healthcare in the U.S. is complicated. And that's why there's a lot of jobs like mine, case managers, care coordinators, um, people like us to help coordinate, to help, help uh, navigate these things, give people the right resources, and mm-hmm. um, but there's there's just not enough of us.
2: Um, I know I said that was the last question, <laughs> but uh, since we're in healthcare, uh, I wanted you to close. We what you think about the vaccine, the COVID nineteen vaccine.
1: Vaccine, wow, yes. that's that's a it's an interesting topic for sure. Um, well, as somebody that has been working in the hospital, no, we are required to have the vaccine. Um, I did get the Pfizer, so I got the first, the second, and the third dose of the vaccine. And um, what I would just stress for people is that um, you are getting the vaccine for somebody else. You know, the vaccine is. Bigger than just protecting yourself, because a lot of people don't realize the amount of germs and microbacteria you're spreading in every interaction, every breath you take. So if my biggest advice to people that are on the fence about the vaccine, you know, you have to think about the elderly the people that, that have chronic conditions, the people that have cancer. And it's really hard because sometimes, um, you know, we call it like an invisible illness. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you don't know what people have Mm -hmm. going on on the inside. And, you know, COVID has been showing us time and time again that it has been killing people. And all the people that are sick right now in the hospital, those are the unvaccinated people. So... I, I don't know what the the big question is here, but the <laughs> vaccine, not necessarily it saves lives, but it prevents the spread of disease to other communities, you know? All
2: right. Yeah, no, I, I just wanted you to put it out there. That's, that's <laughs> all
1: I have to say. You know, you're doing it for somebody else. So. All right. All right. Yeah, thank you.
2: No, thank you so much. And um, and thank you for your time. No. It took us a long time to finally, you know, put this together. A um, and shout out to Emmanuel. Yeah. Hey, Emmanuel. <laughs> Hello. Um, you brought yeah, us no. together. <laughs> I just, you know, just want to thank you for your time. And I hope this won't be the last time. Hopefully when you're in D.C., uh, we'll be able to reach out. We'll be, you won't change your number or we won't have to go through More, you know, different people to get to you. Ah, (laughs) I'm I'm always happy to
1: come and talk. And um, uh, and of course, uh, I don't know everything and I'm learning everything. You know, that's why I keep going to school. That's why I keep trying to have opportunities because it's important to educate yourself as much as you can on the topics that are meaningful to you. Yes, I know. Yeah. Thank
2: you so much. And thank you for your time. Yeah. I appreciate it. Thank you.